Hi, this is Eloise from Cooking with Elo, and you're listening to the Eat Block Talk podcast. Food bloggers, I want to take a really quick second here to talk to you about something new that we're starting this summer. I'm super excited about it. I am loving this new movement of food bloggers who are digging into podcasting as a way to add an awesome, unique new layer to their business. I feel so passionately about this topic. Audio is so powerful and food bloggers digging into audio in the form of podcasting is going to be a huge, successful movement. It will be a way to expand your brand into new areas that you cannot even imagine. There is an entire episode dedicated to this. So go listen to episode number 306 if you haven't already. And I promise you're going to be inspired to dig into audio yourself. As a way to support this movement, I am creating a group coaching experience starting in June of 2022. If you are interested in joining us, there are a limited number of spots available just because I want to give you all my dedicated attention. Send me an email at megan at eatblogtalk.com if you're interested. I am including an introductory rate. It's a monthly rate. If you want in, you will be locked in at that rate. Send me an email. Tell me you're interested in the group coaching for podcasters. And I can't wait to see you inside and I can't wait to see how this just totally explodes your business. All right, back to the episode. Hey, food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 319. Today, Eloise is here with me. She's going to talk to us about her 10 tips for starting a food blog in college. And it's everything she wishes someone had told her when she started. Eloise is the self-taught recipe developer, photographer, and copywriter behind Cooking with Elo, where she shares her vegan and gluten-free recipes for busy days. Eloise has a background in biomedical sciences and graduated with a master in health food innovation management last summer. As someone who always had an entrepreneurial calling, she decided to start blogging and freelancing during the last two years of college. Today, Eloise is successfully working full-time as a blogger and recipe development business in Luxembourg. Eloise, hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. Yes, I'm super excited about our chat, uh, but first we would love to hear what your fun fact is. Oh, yes. So my fun fact is that I had a secret food blog when I was in high school. I think I didn't tell anyone about it except for like my best friends and my sister. But it was around the time. So I started the blog around the time where I got diagnosed with my food intolerances. And I think it was just a way for me to cope with these new restrictions and that complete diet change. And I was trying out new ingredients, developing recipes and sharing them on that blog, hoping to maybe inspire one person out there that was having similar challenges. Okay. So a secret, is it still around? It is. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm assuming you probably aren't going to share that then. (laughs) Probably not. It's still still like a wordpress.com page. So it's like nothing to look at really. And I completely, the blog I have now is a new domain. It's everything is completely new. So yeah. Oh, that's funny. So I I do love how you used it as a way to kind of cope. It was like, like a coping mechanism and not necessarily something you made to share, right? And now you're at the point where you are ready to share your content. 
yeah, I guess the passion was there. And then a few years later, I decided that I wanted to pursue it more than what I did in the past. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Definitely <laughs> a fun fact that I haven't heard before. Secret food blog. Uh, okay. So you started a food bo- blog in college, correct? And you yes. kind of went through this process on your own, like we all do and figured everything out. And now looking back, there are things that you wish someone had shared with you because I feel like, yeah, I wish I could go back to my previous self and just be like, uh, like 97 tips here. Please do this. Don't do this. So you're going to share with us 10 things that um, will help other people when they're starting food blogs early on when they're young. So let's just move through those. And I guess first, before we get to that, will you just give us a little bit about like um, why you started this new food blog and how long it's been? Yes, of course. So I started the food blog. It's been probably a little more than two years now because I graduated in summer and I started it one and a half year before. So during my master's degree. And yeah, I it's something that during my entire years of college, I wanted to do. But I feel like during the first years, I was still figuring out college and was focusing on that. And once I found routines, I was able to really pursue that passion because I always loved cooking from the from the moment on when I had like I was diagnosed with these food intolerances. I love developing recipes for myself and for my family and I loved sharing them. And I felt like a food blog was a really great way to do so. And on top of that, I loved food photography. So it just kind of makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a great story. And I commend you for starting it so young. I wish I had done the same. And I think a lot of people can say that too. So good for you for just digging in and making it happen. So let's move through your tips. What is your first tip for people for just starting a food blog when they're young or in college? Yes. So my first tip would be to not wait until you feel ready because shocker, (laughs) that's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like it's the same when you start a business, you never feel 100% ready. There's always other things that you need to learn. There's always new things that you want to have ready to go, but it will just never happen. You will never be 100% there. So I would say just do it. And college is such a great time to start a food blog because you'll probably never have more time than when being in college. As soon as you start working, you'll have much more to do. And it's also a great time to just experiment with things and you won't have to justify yourself to anyone. It's just a great time to pursue that passion, which maybe is not even related to your degree. So it's an incredible creative outlet to have. And if you're successful, you can already make money while you're in college and maybe you can pursue it as a career afterwards. So why not just do it? I have this memory of being in college, sitting around with a bunch of friends and we were like, oh, I can't wait until we have a job, like real jobs. We're going to have so much time on our hands. And I look back at that and laugh because it's like the exact opposite. We had so much time then. We had all the time in the world and we didn't see it then. So I think it's good to give this message to people who are in college. Like, look around you. You have so much time to do extra things um, because when you are out of college and you're working and living life and getting married or whatever you whatever path you decide life is going to be way busier so i love this advice you are never going to be ready if you are in college or maybe just out of college even like start now there's not a better time than now um great 
first tip. So let's move on to tip number two. Yes. So I guess tip number two kind of goes hand in hand with tip number one. And it will be that you don't have to have everything you need to start. So I think of it in terms of equipment. If you don't have a great camera to start, maybe you can start with your phone or you can buy a secondhand one. That's what I did back then. And you just get the basic one with a kit lens, which is kind of affordable, and you move from there. And if you don't have like a cute background to take your photos, maybe you can make one yourself. There are so many YouTube tutorials out there, or maybe you have like a cute wooden table already at home that you could use. And if you don't have your domain yet, you can purchase that really quickly. So I think that it's a good way, like you don't have to overthink it, just do it, make it happen, Think about it in a very simple way and try to find easy solutions. Oh, that's so great. I learned this too the hard way, but like just being one step ahead is really all you need to do. And that sounds like very unprepared, but really, I mean, like your phone is phones. The cameras on phones are so great right now. So just get by with what you have right in front of you and then Um, as you're ready, you can upgrade, right? I think we always make it more complicated than it has to be. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. That's like my, one of my big problems is that I overcomplicate everything and then, and then everything just gets messy. (laughs) Then I have to like take like five steps back and be like, okay, I need to simplify. Do you ever get to that point? I think that's one of the reasons why I included that tip in here, because it's just for myself as well. Yeah, and it's easy to overcomplicate because we're in this space that has so much going on that it's easy to try to look at everything and try to solve it all, but it's really not necessary. There are people who don't even focus on certain platforms, like people, there are bloggers who don't get on Instagram or TikTok, and there are bloggers who don't have like high-end cameras or lenses, so it really is possible to simplify and not just that but like to be successful too and especially in the beginning i think it's really important yeah oh i love that okay move on to tip number three i think that's one of my favorite tips and it's it would be to treat your blog like you would treat a student job because that's something you have to show up to right like you have to be dedicated to it you you can't just call your boss and be like, mm, I'm feeling unmotivated today. I don't think I'm going to come. And I think that if you have that mindset for your blog, it's just a really great way to start and to commit to it. And it's a commitment for yourself. And so I think that once you decide that this is going to be your job, you can kind of determine how many hours per week you can allocate to blogging. Maybe you have a semester where you have more credits or maybe you have a little bit more time and then you can decide, okay, well, Well, maybe I have Wednesday afternoons off and I could be blogging then, or maybe most of of your Saturday could be dedicated to your blog. And so you can decide on a certain amount of hours and then go from there. And once you know that the time that you have, you can also decide how much you can publish, how many blog posts you can share. And that's going to help you so much as well, because yeah, there's no magical number here. For me in the beginning, I think I was doing four blog posts per month. So once a, one a week per week, and that was just a really great way. Maybe you can do six, or maybe you think that two is like the most you can do. If you have 10 hours, then maybe focus on two. If you have 20 hours, you can do more. But my tip would be to, 
if you think that you can do four, maybe start with three because it's always more work and more challenges than we anticipate. And if you get to these three, you will be super happy with yourself. And if your goal was four and you just don't get the four, then you will be maybe a little disappointed. So I think what I'm trying to say here is that the best schedule is the one that you can commit to and treating it like a job is a really good mindset to have. Do you have advice for people who like can make that plan, but they can't execute it? So they have a hard time being their own boss and showing up for themselves. I think this is a pretty common problem in our area, not just in the food blogging space, but just being an entrepreneur in general, because we don't have anyone that we have to report to. It's us. And I hear people say this a lot. Like I just can't seem to get things done or stay on track. So do you have advice for just like once you commit to a certain number of hours, like actually following yeah, through? I think it's it's kind of tip number four as well. So that's really great. I think having a content calendar is something that will help you a lot. And so I, I'm a prod, like an organization freak. I love project management tools. Like give me all the planners, the to-do list. I love it. And having a content calendar in form, it can be as simple as just an Excel sheet. I do it in Google Drive. So anyone can do it. It's really great. So first you would start with your keyword research, identifying keywords that you want to pursue. And then you can, from there, you can write your content calendar. I usually do it every month or up to two months ahead of time. And I go through my keyword list and I'm, I, I check what's seasonal, uh, what are recipes that I really want to do that month, and I add it in there. And I like to think of it as waking up in the morning because, you know, if I wrote a to-do list the day before, the night before, and I wake up in the morning, I know exactly what I want to do that day, I will wake up super easily. And if I just wake up and have no plan, no schedule, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's so much harder to wake up. And I feel like it's the same with your blog. If you know exactly what you want to do that month or that week, it's so much easier to follow through and to just make it happen instead of having to just figure it all out at first. I love this and I have never really put words to this before, but I do the same thing, Eloise. So I like if I plan, if I'm really good at planning my week and my days in advance, which most of the time I am, I always wake up knowing exactly what's going to happen that day. And that just gives me peace of mind. And it's not something that I've really like said out loud before, but it's so true. I'll like this morning I woke up like I knew I had my chat with you. I have an awesome clubhouse room I'm hosting later. And then I have a mastermind call I'm hosting. And that like I just ran through it in my head like good, good, good. Awesome. This is going to be a great day. If I were to have wait, if I would have woken up and not had any idea what I was doing, it just feels not right. Right. Like confusing or like just kind of a mess. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. Let's take a quick break to talk about SideChef and their new affiliate program. SideChef is a free recipe cooking app that I have been using for the last decade, and I love it. It's a meal planner tool, and my favorite feature is the possibility to buy the ingredients from my favorite recipes with just one click directly from their app or website. And they have some great news to share. They just launched their affiliate program, which offers you, foodie content creators, a new way of monetizing your food content by turning all your recipes shoppable. So how does it work? It's simple. You sign up to SideChef's recipe-based affiliate program, upload the recipe ingredients of the recipe you want to promote, and SideChef's online grocery technology 
technology will generate you a link that you can add to your webpage, social media posts, or wherever you want. Your fans will click on the link and all the ingredients will be matched to the products available at their local Walmart store. The best part is that you will receive a commission on each successful purchase. During their one-month launch phase, they are offering a limited-time promotion where you will receive not $10, but $20 for each purchase. One important thing to note about this program is that there is no exclusivity or sharing of your content. You keep the ownership and control. SideChef just makes it easier for anyone to shop your delicious recipes. To learn more about SideChef's affiliate program, go to sidechef.com forward slash affiliate and apply today. Again, go to sidechef.com forward slash affiliate and apply today. Now back to the episode. These are all really good, by the way. (laughs) So move on to point five. This is maybe one of my favorites. Yes. So the tip number five would be to batch work to be more efficient. And I know that it's not something for everyone, but it's been helpful to many people I know. So that's why I wanted to to talk about it on here. And if you're not familiar with the concept of batch working, it's basically grouping similar tasks and executing them at the same time. So for example, if you have a blog, let's say that you have that Saturday that's dedicated to your blog. Maybe that's a time where you can write a few blog posts or shoot several recipes or edit a series of pictures that were from different shoots. And that way you will do the same tasks, like instead of doing for every single blog post, doing every single task individually, you just group them together and you will be much more time efficient because once you're doing a task for a certain amount of minutes or hours, you get faster at it, you get better at it. You are really like focused on it and concentrated rather than if you have to do every single thing separately. And as food bloggers, we know that we have so many things to do. So I think that batch working is always really helpful. The only thing that I personally do not batch is my recipe development because I find that that's something that I can easily include in like my everyday life. If I'm writing out my meal plan for the week, I'm going to check which recipes I want to do that month. And then I will just add it to my weekly meal plan so that I can test it for dinner or maybe it's a breakfast or whatever. And yeah, what I'm trying to say is that you have to figure out what works for you, which tasks you want to batch work and which ones you maybe do not want to batch work and then go from there. And especially in the beginning, I think that there's going to be a lot of trial and error. But once you figure it out, it's going to be so much better and much more efficient. Batching equals freedom, honestly. Like if you and at first it's kind of a mess because like you said, it takes trial and error. But once you get a flow down with whatever task you're working on, oh my gosh, like I cannot even describe the amount of space and energy and time it opens up. And it's not easy batching. It is like sometimes it's really hard. It's hard work, but it is freedom. And I feel like that's why we all are in this business to have a little bit more freedom. Um, So I love this point. And I always compare this. I have to tell you my analogy. Um, I compare it to like cooking or making um, a recipe. So take like guacamole. If we're making, let's say we're making like three batches of guacamole, would you like peel, you know, chop the avocado and then um, squeeze the lime juice and then chop the cilantro and the onion, put it all in the bowl, mix it, do your dishes, put everything away and then get it back out 
and then chop the avocado. No, you wouldn't do that. No. You would chop all the avocados and then you would chop all the onion. You know, you would you would batch it because that's the most efficient way to do it. So anytime that I have resistance to batching, I think of that and I'm like, okay, I just need to like, I don't like doing it all the time and it's hard, but it's so much more efficient. Yeah, I love that comparison. That makes so much sense. <laughs> Yeah, like it, it just doesn't make sense to do it the other way. Yeah. Um, and I know like some people have legitimate um, like attention issues, you know, something along those lines. And I totally understand where it wouldn't align with that. But I think for most people, the resistance is just that it's hard work. And it's like, yeah, you have to invest a lot of time and energy to really crush it with batching. And I think that's where a content calendar is really helpful as well, because if you have planned out what you want to do, you can batch all these things because you know what's going to come up. And again, you can be your own boss and make sure that you do the tasks that have to get done. Yeah, love that one. I think that is probably my favorite so far. I I preach about that a lot. <laughs> so I love that you included it. Okay, go on to tip number six, Eloise. Yes. So my tip number six would be to work ahead of time, because if you're a student, you know that at some point, like exams are coming up. And at that time, that's not, that's really a moment when you want to focus on studying. You will need all the time you can get. And it's maybe not the time to focus on your blog. But we all know that consistency is key. If you've listened to this podcast, I feel like every person on here says it. And it's because it's true. It's important for the algorithm. It's, it's important for Google. But I think it's also important for ourselves, I mean, to be consistent, you know, because if you have a routine, you get better at tasks, you get faster at it whatever. So we want to be consistent, but not one when we are having exams. And that's when it's interesting to work ahead of time. So if you said that you were going to do four blog posts a month, maybe you're going to publish three of them and prepare the fourth one, but schedule it out for that month or the two months that you have exams. That way, at that time, your blog is still running. Everything is like automated and you don't have to think about it but you are able to remain consistent with your your blog posts. Yeah, do you have recommendations for getting scheduled ahead if like let's say somebody's listening and they're just not they're flying by the seat of their pants and doing it like last minute. Um, how do you get to the point where you're scheduled out and how far in advance do you recommend being scheduled out? Yeah, so I think what I did when I was in college is really to try to have one extra blog post that I was doing every single month um, and having it really prepared from start to finish. So like it was written out, the pictures were taken, the recipe was developed, everything was edited and already in there. And I only had to really like go to the schedule button and like choose the date that I wanted to, to have it and to have it go live. And that's why it's really important to have that keyword list that you want to pursue because you can really plan it out ahead of time. And I have a keyword list on my phone where if I'm in the core and I have an idea, I will just write it down on that list. And maybe I don't have time to really like do the research about that keyword. But if I batch my keyword research, I will have that list that I can go through of ideas that I had like at any time, point in time. And that's one thing that has been really helpful to me to just not go out of ideas. 
and to have keywords that I know that I want to pursue and that I can plan the blog post around ahead of time. I love how all of your points are working together. So using all of these tips together produces um, an efficient kind of system. So I love this. This is so, this is such a fun chat. Uh, Okay, Eloise, let's move on to your next point, which is point number seven. Yes, I think that's also one of my favorites. And it's just the importance of education and using free resources to educate yourself. So let's start with the educational part. I think when you start a blog, it's so important to educate yourself. It's the same in college, right? You first, you take the course and then you write the test. And I feel like with blogging, it's the same. It's important to learn as much as you can in the beginning so that you don't have to go back later on and change stuff because you learn how to do it the right way. And that's one of the mistakes that I did. I was just doing it the way I thought was right, which ended up being fine, but not great. And now I still have to delete posts or update them. And that's so much more work when you have to go back rather than if you did it correctly from the beginning. And don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that you should not start. So tip number one would still be like start and then learn along the way, but do it at the the beginning and invest time at the very beginning. So if we say that you have 10 hours per week that you want to dedicate to your blog, maybe you need to take one hour that you will educate yourself. And that can be through webinars, YouTube videos, listening to a podcast. If you're commuting, that's a great time where you could be listening to something or maybe you are at the gym on the treadmill and you, instead of listening to music, you can listen to a podcast. So take advantage of all the time you have and invest in education early, early on. There's so much free stuff out there. You mentioned all of my favorites, webinars. There are groups, forums, podcasts, YouTube channels. I mean, you don't have to look far to find that really high quality free content. So I think this is a really good um, recommendation. And then I love your example of just like, Uh, dedicating 10 hours to your blog and then taking one hour to educate. So for every 10 hours or whatever it is, like five hours, 20 hours, dedicate an an hour or two to dig into education. I think that's super smart. So yeah, I think investing money in yourself is also really important, but you have to make sure that you leverage these free resources first, especially as a college student. And I wanted to like give out my favorites out there so that you have something like concrete that you can go after. To name a few, Joni Simon's YouTube channel called The Bite Chart for Food Photography is so, so great. And I think especially on YouTube, you can get lost so easily and skip like from one video to the next. And if you have like one person that you know puts out really good content that is helpful, that teaches you, then you can just focus on that YouTube channel and go through her videos and you will learn so much from it. Then we have the top head rank webinars. I mean, if you don't know these already, (laughs) you have to like listen to them. It's made such a big impact on growing my blog for me. You will learn everything you need to know about SEO and It's experts teaching you. I have learned so much more from these webinars than from courses I took that I paid for. So really, that's really something you shouldn't skip. Then if you have the feast team, which I think many food bloggers have, 
they have so much good stuff on their blog. Um, reading through all of that, you will know exactly how to structure your blog post, which plugins to use, all that kind of stuff. Um, then we have joining Facebook groups. I'm in the Food Blogger Central group, and I've learned so much just from reading other people's questions and the answers to these questions. And when I had a question, I had a place to go to if I didn't have another person that I knew personally that I could ask. This is such a great place to have. And obviously listening to podcasts like the eBlog Talk podcast, but there are so many other food blogging podcasts out there that are really great to learn. And there's just one course that I took that I paid for that I would like to recommend because it's really been game changing for me. And that's the Cooking with Keywords course. I know many people on here already recommended it, but you guys, I thought I knew how to conduct keyword research. And then I took that course and then I realized, wow, I had no idea what I was doing. And it's made such a big difference in the way that I do keyword research, the way I write my blog post. And it's ultimately helped me grow so much that I think it's one that I wanted to recommend on here as well. So many great resources you just mentioned. Eloise, thank you for running through those. And I think that most of those are common things that people have dug into probably. But it's always helpful to just mention those again. So thank you for running through those. I really appreciate that. And everyone else does too. And then you made a really good point I just want to touch on really quick, which is find the people who are delivering the good content that really resonates with you, the free content, and then maybe dig into like investing in those people. Does that make sense? So like find the free stuff, find the people who are quality, valuable, reputable, trustworthy. And then if you want to take it further, invest in them. Yes. That's one of the things I did. I really love Joni and her YouTube channel. And at some point for my freelance business, I wanted to learn more about pricing. And that's when I invested in her course, because I also knew that I loved how she was teaching things and that it was resonating with me, as you said. So I think that it's a really good approach. Okay. Tell us what tip number eight is. Tip number eight is to take things one step at a time. And that's so important, not only for blogging, for so many different things in life. But here especially, I would say that you should learn one skill at a time to prevent feeling overwhelmed. And to give you an example, don't start with Pinterest or with a newsletter before you really master your blogging routine. Unless you know exactly how to write your blog post and how to shoot and edit and all of that, once you start doing that in a kind of automatic way where you don't have to think about every single task that you have to do and that's coming next, I would not add something to my list because as I said, that's how you feel overwhelmed. And so once you have that completely figured out and you feel good about it and you notice that you get maybe better at it and faster at it, then would be a great time to add new things to to your to your routines. And that could be shooting a video for that recipe or making pins and posting them to Pinterest or writing your newsletter. But overall, it's just a really great mindset to have and that will help if you learn one skill at a time and then you add more things to what you have to do. This is probably one of the most important ones for food bloggers to hear just because of that shiny object uh, temptation that we all want 
to like do all the things and we see all the things and hear all the things and feel like we should be in everything. So I feel like this is maybe one of the more important ones, but it's so hard, isn't it? I mean, it's so easy to hear it and say, right, you're so right, Eloise, I need to do one thing at a time. But actually doing that is so difficult. Yes, it's it's a lot easier said than done. But if you just have it in the back of your mind and you remind yourself from time to time, it's already better than not doing that at all. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, move on to tip number nine. Yes. So tip number nine would be to not start a social media channel to for your blog. And you don't need it to have a successful blog. And I'm thinking mostly of Instagram. And I know that it's a really unpopular opinion to not start Instagram. And maybe that's also like instinctively you would, you would want to start an Instagram account for your blog. I mean, you're creating these delicious recipes and you're making these beautiful photos. Of course, you'd like to share it with the world and get instant feedback because you don't get that from Google. But I think we all know how much time it takes to run a social media account. Um, it's a part-time job, if not a full-time job for many of us. And so if you only have, let's say, 10 hours to dedicate to your blog and you have to cut that time in half to be able to post to Instagram, create content for Instagram, we all know how, how important video is getting and that's something that you would have to add to your to-do list and then plan your feed, uh, engage with people in comments and via DM and do stories and all of that. If you only have 10 hours and then you cut that time in half, that's going to impact the growth of your blog tremendously. And if growing your blog is your ultimate goal, then you should put all the time and effort you have into making that happen. And so starting an Instagram channel or social media in general is something that you should maybe do further along the line. And I mean, that's just my opinion. And that's because I think that it's one of the mistakes I did when I was in college. I was spending a lot of time curating my Instagram and doing a few stories and really just to show what I was doing. And maybe that was not like the return on investment that I got from it was not worth it. I invested a lot of my time into it. And the return in terms of traffic, which was helping me grow my blog, was non-existent because back then the links didn't exist on Instagram if you were under 10K. But even if you had them, I don't think many people click through. And so really focusing on your blog and on your SEO and getting that right before you start your Instagram channel, I think will get you quicker where you want to be. Well, this might be an unpopular opinion. I 100% agree with you, Eloise. <laughs> so just to say that, I I mean, I know people who just crush it on Instagram and other social media platforms that I really respect. And they have such beautiful curated content and reels and videos and amazing stuff that just like I could stare at all day. But that has not been my case at all. And I would consider my business to be a thriving, successful business, but I don't have that at all. I mean, for a while I wanted it really bad and I tried really hard and it just didn't work for me. But yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't need to be like that. It can be like you can have a an awesome Instagram account and have a thriving blog too, but it doesn't have to be like that. 
No, it's still the same for me now. I'm still, I have, I still haven't reached my goals for my blog. And at the moment, Instagram, I focus so much less on it because my efforts all go through my blog. And once I reach these goals, I can put more time and effort into Instagram as well, because ultimately it's nice to grow on there as well to have different assets. But right now is not the time for it. Yeah. Well, I agree. So we're on to our last tip, sadly. Tip number 10. What is that? Yes. So last but not least, tip number 10 is to have fun, as cheesy as that sounds. (laughs) Blogging is not always easy. There will always be one task that you like less than the other. And maybe you will not always feel understood by close friends and family. But I think that if food is your passion and if you have knowledge in a certain field and if you have a specific mission, then just go for it and enjoy the process. And the best thing that can happen is that you turn your blog into a profitable business. And the worst that could happen is that you realize that blogging is not for you, but you still learn so many new skills, including photography, SEO, copywriting, all of that. And that will most certainly help you in your career in one way or the other. So I'd say that it's a win-win either way. I love that you ended on this. I think it's so important. We can get lost in the details and the technical parts and the parts that we don't like and the tasks that we feel like we have to do and get just drained and overwhelmed. So having this reminder to keep it fun and keep the passion alive is so important. So thank you for ending that way, Eloise. I feel like you've provided us with this perfect formula for blogging success, which it's like, oh my gosh, this is, these are all so great. And I might actually title this episode like formula for success or something like that, because it really is like, there's, I don't feel like you missed anything important here. You nailed everything. So thank you so much for all of this today. You're welcome. (laughs) If you had to pick like one of your tips. I know this is going to be hard, but what would you say is probably the most important thing to nail? I would say education right away, because I think that like, if I could change the way I did things, that's what I would change. I would put so much more time into educating myself on how to write a good blog post that will rank, because that would have taken me so much further than I am right now. And I think that could make a big difference for many people that are starting a blog. Perfect. Thank you again, Eloise, for being here. This was an amazing chat. And I am curious if you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today. Yeah, so it's a quote, but I don't know, like, I don't know who it's from. But it's just to take things day by day and step by step. And I think like you could kind of hear it when I was talking about it before. But just it's great to have goals and to see the big picture but ultimately taking it day by day and step by step is what will make you reach these goals and get to where you want to be and so i think that it's important to focus on the small scale as well love that so much great way to end we will put together a show notes page for you eloise if anyone wants to go look at those you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash cooking with l-o-e-l-o tell everyone where they can find you on your blog and on social media and everywhere else 
Yes, so my blog is cookingwithbelo.com. You can find me there and on Instagram, it's the same name. Um, I'm an open book. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me. If you're from Europe as well, or if you're anywhere in the world and you're food blogging, I would love to chat about it. It's always so nice to meet new people via podcasts or masterminds, whatever it is. I always love chatting with you. So feel free to do it. Great. Yes. Take her up on that, everyone. And thanks again for being here. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.